Welcome to Stock Talking, an exploration of financial markets in the context of the post-corona world. COVID-19 has changed the way we value equity, debt, and business as a whole. My goal is to find great companies who can thrive in the new normal. I can't wait to get started. All right, welcome to Stock Talking. We have our first repeat guest coming on for the second time. Hanged in the options fit with the impervious Sean Bush, everybody. How you doing? What's going on, just for Ben Gel? Uh, glad that I was uh, allowed back after my performance last week, um, and very proud to be rocketing ahead of the leaderboard here. I assume my uh, championship belt uh, as the top returning guest is in the mail. It is in the mail. Uh, Maybe a little delayed. Obviously, I, we don't even know if the U.S. Postal Service will still be around when this whole thing is said and done. Apparently, they have to increase their rates by a factor of five in order to be competitive. So, who knows? Sounds like a short play. If they were public, I'd love to short them. Okay, let's get this thing going. So, it's been quite a week, man. I, I think things have been crazy, but directionally, we haven't really changed from where we were Monday. So, I know you have some thoughts on this oil collapse, um, this kind of melt up on low volume. There's a ton of things going on. So, so how was this last week for you? This, this week was fun. This week was fun. Made some money. Uh, didn't lose as much money. So, you know, coming out with some profits is good. Uh, but looking at this week, I think there were a few potential catalysts for that, that leg down we talked about last week that just sort of came and went. Uh, the first one earlier in the week being uh, oil um, futures going negative there and just absolutely collapsing in price. Uh, started to drag the market down a little bit earlier in the week, but despite very little recovery in oil's price, we saw that slow melt up uh, in the later half of the week on low volume. Um, also, a couple earnings calls there that could have either swung sort of the direction in either way didn't really uh, make a huge impact looking at sort of Netflix there as, as one of the, the key markers. And we'll talk a little bit more about earnings uh, plays, especially for the upcoming week based on what we saw. But I think what's especially telling is at the end of the day, Friday, that rally uh, getting uh, SPY up to 283 um, shows that the bulls are still in control. We ended last week with uh, an indication we might break out of that bull channel, um, but that did not come to fruition this week, especially ending in the 283 range. So while the long-term bearish thesis uh, is still in play, it's clearly much less profitable than riding this wave. So I'm certainly quite bullish and to the gills uh, with a bunch of different call plays here uh, coming into the week um, based on that that momentum. Yeah, go. so there seems to be a huge amount of possibilities where we go from here. Um, there was a really interesting tweet from Ben Carlson on Twitter. You can follow him. His handle is a wealth of CS, but he writes an interesting blog. So I wanted to share with you some of these possibilities he enumerates because I, I think it will provide kind of a good jumping off point for our discussion about where the market goes from here. So he lays out about five or six different ways we could go. So I'm going to read a few of them. Okay, so Ben Carlson tweets, we could see stocks fall when a vaccine finally hits the market in the ultimate sell the news moment. We could see the highest quality stocks lag while the junkiest stocks rally. We could see new all-time highs in the stock market even as the economy is expecting the worst of the crisis. We could start seeing good news on the virus from on the virus front that the stock market sells off on because it potentially means less fiscal and monetary stimulus. 
we could see stocks give everyone a giant head fake and then go down even further than they did in the March low. We could also see stocks trade in the volatile range. And finally, we could see stocks rise on bad news that's not as bad as expected or fall on good news that's not as good as expected. So that's a ton, but I'm just interested in your reaction to that. Well, a, a couple things. Um, if we're looking for a, a catalyst here in pretty much across the board, uh, with a lot of the pundits and fintwit, uh, the the prognostication is doom and gloom. I don't think anyone really expects continued strength, and certainly uh, a lot of the hedges and smart money are still waiting on the sidelines with with cash um, based on what we're seeing. But I think at this point, the the market is clearly indifferent to sort of the ebb and flow of cases and deaths when it comes to COVID-19. And right now, the sentiment definitely seems to favor uh, positive news around reopening, and especially with different areas like Atlanta uh, reopening um, certain industries and businesses. Uh, We could see a a lot of enthusiasm around um, these measured uh but still reopenings happening in different parts of the country so i could see that being a a huge driver pushing perhaps not to all-time highs but uh clearing the path to to 293 uh, and potentially up to 300 in spy in the next couple weeks or months um but at this point i don't think covid news uh really could provide any new update that would pull down the current progress short of uh, some type of drastic change either in the numbers jumping up even more exponentially than they allegedly have uh, or um, a second wave type scenario where reopenings are then halted and closed again. But if we're looking at the the week ahead in the immediate term, um, just like last week, I feel like the the key for for trading is going to be watching the reaction to a lot of these earning calls. Since with the current run up, we've seen a lot of the the tech heavyweights in that that Fang group continue to uh, add to their their valuations there and even uh, improve on all time highs in some cases. Um, but as we saw with Netflix last week, even a a very positive positive earnings report for first quarter uh, will be outweighed by withdrawn guidance looking forward or uh, warnings about you know growth or success in first quarter not continuing moving forward. So a lot of investors are really looking beyond first and second quarter into what does this mean for the rest of the year, potentially even really just factoring 2021 earnings into uh, how the, the stock price moves. So if the response is positive to earnings with big players uh, coming up this week, looking at you, Microsoft, Apple, Amazon, Tesla, then I think we could see an accelerated you know, uh, move into this bull channel. However, I think there is also the possibility, um, also based on some of the, the options flow we've seen or getting this a little later, uh, that the sentiment seems to be that the response will be negative to a lot of those big players who've been running away um, with the last couple of weeks, sort of really uh, growing either their market share or capitalizing on the work from home and delivery environment to boost certain sectors of their business. But uh, we'll get the full picture when those earnings reports come out to see how the entire business is, is affected and some of the other secondary effects that, that may have pulled down other areas that people aren't really accounting for. So at this point, I'm, I'm certainly bullish near term, you know, looking for an early week, uh, just bursting out of the gates. But 
beyond those those midweek earnings reports, we've got some some energy earnings reports that are sure to be um, a dumpster fire, especially from Exxon and Chevron, where if sentiment appears to be turning midweek, that could definitely kick off um, something resembling a leg down, but certainly not below uh, those March lows that that we saw. So I'm not sure I agree with you on a lot of that, uh, specifically the sentiment that the market no longer trades on COVID and is going to be focused on earnings in the week ahead. So my rationale for this is when the banks reported and when we've seen a lot of other companies report Q1, I think the way the market has reacted to some of those earnings reports generally makes no sense, right? The, the information we're getting usually is the first half of, of Q1 was fine. And then we have no idea what's going on because of COVID. We can't, we can't even forecast our guidance. We're not even going to put out guidance. And I've seen various stocks. I mean, I think Netflix is a good example where the, they reported record high subscribers, but after hours it was up and down. I think we'll talk about LVS later, but that was another one where it was like, there wasn't really any useful information offered that would justify what happened to the stock price. I, I think for me, I'm less focused on earnings, actually more focused on COVID news. I think the market right now is pricing in a COVID scenario similar to what we've seen Bank of America and Morgan Stanley kind of write about in some reports I've seen. In this scenario, basically what happens is there's some reopening in May and June and, and throughout the summer, um, things kind of go on. There's more vaccine progress. There's never a really true second wave alarm or uh, you know a, a false scenario where flu and COVID create this really draconian, terrible scenario, which some people are talking about. So I think the market is optimistic on COVID and generally isn't reacting to unemployment or other types of data we're seeing. So I think there's huge risk to the downside if that scenario turns out to be worse than expected. So I challenge you a bit uh, to expand on why you think earnings are the focus going forward and not COVID news. Well, to, to give you a, a specific example here, uh, perhaps not in the tech sector, but I think this is particularly indicative of the environment we're in. But Domino's Pizza last week uh, reported $3.07 earning per share, beating Wall Street estimates of $2.32 with revenue of $873 million above uh, the $868.7 million estimates. Uh, despite this, stock down 3.7% uh, by close Thursday uh, after they pulled their long-term guidance there. So while, while I don't think the earnings themselves are what will be the driver here for a lot of the price movements, uh, the reaction to those earnings and the fact that since guidance has been withdrawn, there's a much more subjective nature, I think, to how those results can be interpreted. And clearly, the investors are much more concerned about having guidance withdrawn through 2021 than they are uh, intrigued or bullish about the, the earnings beat there. Yep. I don't disagree. I mean, I, I, the names we're talking about next week, right? You have some of these in our show notes, uh, Alphabet, AMD, Boeing, Tesla, Microsoft, Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Exxon, and the airlines, right? It's a, it's a ton. And we're going to get a lot of information. Um, well, I, I'm actually not sure we'll get that much information because I, I think it's become very popular in these earnings calls to just say, we're not even going to announce guidance going forward. That said, like there are expectations baked into some of these companies. I mean, Apple to me is the best example of, I've read a ton of, of analysts saying Apple's going to increase share buybacks and going to increase the dividends. Um, you know, the, there's to an extent this uh, positive news priced into the tech giants. So I could see there some 
surprise to the downside, leading the market down. So maybe I'm now doing a 180 in, in the course of, you know, 45 seconds where I, I do agree that earnings are important. Um, but I think it's a combination of both maybe, right? Like there are, there are some expectations with earnings and there are some expectations about where COVID will go. And I, I guess to reframe a little bit, I, I certainly agree that the earnings themselves are are not as significant as the reaction uh, from the market there, uh, since clearly an earnings beat is not reason to expect uh, stock growth. Uh, in fact, could have quite the opposite effect. And you know, certainly we look at some plays like Snap and LVS last week. Um, that despite being beaten down earlier in the year, particularly for Snap and then with LDS uh, being closed, um, both of those being able to beat uh, pretty paltry estimates allowed them a significant jump the next day. So um, I probably won't be playing any of those big names uh, with any of these weeklies, um, but I think they will give us the litmus test we need to then interpret some of the other uh, more obvious plays. So uh, a similar sector next week that we'll be reporting is is airlines. Obviously, it's a pretty dire situation, um, but if there is a favorable response to uh, pretty terrible earnings there, I think that continues to show a bullish sentiment or that there, there is still a desire to go higher versus have that sell-off triggered. Yeah, airlines are an interesting one. I, I mean, I, I kind of wonder, like, is any announcement that they're going to stay liquid and don't need uh, government rescue positive, right? Like, they clearly all took money um, from whatever you want to call it, CARES Act bailout, uh, you know, arose by another name is, you know, arose whatever. But uh, is there anything specifically you're looking for? And it, it could be airlines earnings. It could be any of the other names we talked about. Well, very specifically, um, like I mentioned a little bit earlier, that's those FANG stocks that right now represent such a, a huge uh, percentage of the S&P 500 market cap where just significant movement on behalf of Apple or Amazon or Microsoft is going to take the entire market with it. Um, and one of the ones I'm particularly watching is Microsoft, um, just because last week uh, I saw a significant uh, sweep come in on Friday uh, for for puts on Microsoft. Clearly, an earnings play uh, didn't really have some of those in the money uh, markers of a hedge there. So I think there is a lot of caution going into those earnings. And Microsoft is one of those companies we've talked about before uh, that should definitely be a big winner here, especially from that transition to work from home and the introduction of new products like Teams, uh, which would directly compete with uh, other products out there, Slack and um, certainly now Zoom as well. Um, where if if the response to Microsoft specifically uh, is overwhelmingly negative, then I think that we can expect um, similar response. Um, but most of those earnings will be coming after uh, market close on Wednesday. So specifically, I think that we're looking at potentially a, a continued growth beginning of the week. But I think a turning point would be Wednesday. Now, is there a specific piece of information in their earnings or piece of news that I expect would change that? Uh, there, there's nothing in the actual earnings I'm, I'm looking for. But as I mentioned, it's kind of hard to anticipate what the sentiment will be about those earnings. Uh, and I think with with 
with last week and, and Netflix being an indicator, good is not good enough for a lot of these champions lately. And with them representing such a huge portion of the S&P 500, uh, any weakness there will will pretty much cut the legs out of this rally. Um, so I don't think that necessarily guarantees a leg down, um, but we could see flat to down uh, if we find that there are real challenges to continuing the growth that they've had uh, at the end of first quarter into the rest of the year. Well, let, let's assume that your your Microsoft or the options trader on Microsoft, their forecast is correct. And we do see a leg down because either Microsoft or some other tech giant blows earnings. So I know there are some stocks you are bullish on uh, that you've seen some call activity that you're interested in. So, so talk about what you would look to buy in the downturn. Well, so I, I, in a downturn here, I think that it's it's hard to make a sweeping judgment on you know what what that means for individual plays. But what I will say is that I think we have seen some of the different sectors that have been really beaten down uh, come out very strong from earnings and show a lot of positive sentiment about them moving forward. Uh, so one we mentioned earlier was LVS Las Vegas Sands, uh, who's jumped close to 10% there on um, <laughs> announcing a, a $1 million loss first quarter, but again, beating uh, estimates there. Uh, I think they were estimated for negative eight cents earning per share come in at negative three cents. Um, we've talked a little bit before about Las Vegas potentially being one of the first locations to reopen. Uh, so I could see that being at least a an area or sector hospitality in casinos um, where there is potential for uh, a, a run this week, irrespective of how tech reports. So I think that's almost a safer play or something right now I'm more comfortable entering a position on. Um, and specifically saw a huge call sweep come in for LVS on Friday uh, for the June 19th $50 call strike. Uh, and why this is particularly intriguing is we saw very similar activity right before their earnings call. I think everyone knew the earnings were going to be dire, but seeing such a huge um, bullish sweep come in and very little put activity uh, was, was intriguing. I got in on that and that ended up paying off big time. So seeing something very similar, it looks like there's some type of insider activity there indicating that uh, our, our boy Sheldon, people are dying to gamble. Adelson has probably got a handshake agreement to get things going sooner rather than later. So if there's one area I would want to speculate on or go go enter call position on, it would certainly be uh, the casinos. And with, with tech, I'm definitely looking at that as an indicator for what the general market will do, you know, weekly spy plays there. But I don't know that I'm playing on Microsoft, Apple, or Amazon specifically. But I'm definitely very comfortable going into next week looking at LVS. And MGM is also reporting on Friday. So I think they might be able to catch some of that glow uh, if, if LVS is getting a huge boost from Las Vegas opening. Um, you saw something similar last week with, with Twitter uh, also having a nice run uh, after the snap earnings, just getting some glow across all of social media uh, based on that, that one earnings uh, call. But you know, we'll see what happens with the, the Facebook earnings next week to really indicate if there's continued strength or potentially a pullback in social media. Yeah, the, the idea that Las Vegas could reopen, I'm not so sold on. Uh, I mean, I think a lot of that was driven by uh, the Las Vegas governor's remarks, right, where she seemed to be somewhat confident that they're an ideal place to, to reopen, right? I think she caught some heat for that just because there are questions of, okay, how would you social distance in a casino? It's not really possible, right? You're sitting next to another guy 
who's also playing slots, there's really no way to, to stay six feet from that person. Same with a poker table or blackjack or whatever. Um, for me, I, I think one reason to be actually bullish on uh, casinos, it's not speculation, is there are parts of Asia that are going to reopen. Um, so, and, and obviously, that's always been a growth driver for the big casino names. They do a ton of business in Asia. And those the Asian countries are far more likely to reopen sooner, I think, than the U.S. is. Now, I don't have any information in front of me, but I do believe that there are casinos open, at least in Macau, in Southeast Asia. So uh, I don't know that there is continued reopening to look forward to or a, a piece of information that could be a catalyst for continued upward momentum. But um, at least with Las Vegas being completely closed right now, that's that's one area that I'm looking for to be a big driver, a piece of news that, that will uh, cause a significant amount of, of stock price movement. I'm going to use this gambling discussion as a reason to transition to a name that, uh, well, did not IPO. It went public uh, by virtue of a merger. So a platform we love, a company we, we both have, uh, have been on the platform for quite a long time, DraftKings, uh, now trades under ticker symbol DKNG. Um, it essentially did a reverse merger to allow it to go public. There was a special purpose acquisition vehicle. Um, it was able to buy DraftKings and take it public. So you know, we, I think you got the email. Everyone who was on DraftKings got the email from Jason Robbins, the CEO. Uh, talking about the company being public and what a, a crazy eight-year journey it has been. So DraftKings, as far as I know, is the only kind of online sports book, daily fantasy sports player in the market. Um, I have no idea how it's going to trade. We saw it move kind of towards a, a billion-dollar valuation. I think it's going to do close to $600 million in revenue for this year. Um, but I'm very interested in, uh, in DraftKings. I, I think that I still have to do more reading on some of the filings they put out. Um, but I, I think this is a name I might want to own long term. Yeah, and there, there's certainly a lot of risk uh, right when a, a, a new stock lists um, for a lot of the founders there to be making an exit. Um, so that that is certainly one of the risks. But uh, I also being a fan of DFS and other forms of degenerate gambling that can be uh, engaged in from from your, your couch, uh, I was very excited to take a speculative uh, play there at the end of last week. Also got to learn what a reverse merger is, had to do a little research there, sort of came out of nowhere. Um, but on the one hand, it seems like quite possibly the worst time to to enter the market with no televised sports and a very paltry offering of contests for uh, DraftKings to offer to to new customers. But on the other hand, um, piggybacking on the previous sentiment about uh, a, a reopening in Las Vegas, I think as soon as we have casinos and sports books back open again, there will be added pressure to get uh, live sports at least broadcasted and played even if you know they aren't open to the public. Uh, and that would certainly be a huge boost to, to DraftKings uh, and their, their near-term outlook. Uh, one thing I'd also add is that we'll have some states adding uh, online gambling, including Colorado, on May 1st. Uh, even though there isn't, again, more, more games to play, uh, an expanded potential customer base for them could uh, provide a pretty positive growth story as soon as we have contests back on. So uh, I also agree there, and there's something that's just uh, very poetic about making a bet on an online gambling company. So excited to be making a play there. Definitely. They, they've taken enough money from both of us, so hopefully this will be a chance to, to win some of it back. 
I, mean, I think with DraftKings, one thing that's interesting to me is that there's not only the near-term driver of uh, sports gambling being legal and some states bringing that online. I think you're going to see more, even more states make it legal because there's going to be such pressure to raise re- uh, revenue as a result of coronavirus. So this is another kind of revenue stream for states that are starved for it right now. Um, I thought it was also interesting that uh, you were able to, to trade options on DraftKings on its first day uh, public and that they were even able to go public in this market. Like, I think as far as I know, that's the only company I've seen IPO uh, since coronavirus really became a thing driving the market. Yeah, and they had a nice day. They were, uh, let's see, up 10%, another 4% after hours. So looks like we we're already printing on that call. Definitely. I'm, I'm glad to be a buy and hold investor on that one. So uh, it's going to be a good one to, to look at. Um, all right. I want to close a little here by um, talking recent stocks that have rallied that are kind of in the, the big uh, mega cap tech space. Although I don't really know if you, would, if you would count Tesla as one of them. So you had recent rally winners as Microsoft, Amazon, and Tesla. Uh, and then you had losers as airline, hospitality, uh, smaller cap tech. So th- that's kind of been the trends since February 20th, where I count as the top of the market since coronavirus started. Um, thoughts on that trend to continue, uh, reverse? What do you think of that? Uh, well, I, I think that the the real winners are running out of buyers, continue buying them at all time highs. So they may be victims of their own success. But um, I still see a lot of room to grow in sort of that tech adjacent. I guess you can call anything a, a tech company that has an app or a website uh, these days. Um, and a couple big movers at the end of last week that I'm definitely interested in continuing to look at. One being Beyond Meat. Um, made a huge move from around 80 bucks to uh, over $100, hitting around 113 on Friday. A lot of that driven by a deal with Starbucks. Uh, also, news that meat processing plants have been closed. So in this future dystopian hellscape, if we're no longer able to get uh, meat in our diets, it looks like Beyond Meat is poised to continue capturing uh, more and more of that market share, if you can call it that, uh, for meat um, but with, with some of those other big names, Microsoft, Amazon, Tesla, you know, I haven't really been playing on those too much. I mean, Tesla, for example, premiums are massive. So, you know, if, if your goal is to get to sleep at night, there's no way that you're, you're comfortable holding that overnight, uh, just based on the extreme volatility, uh, and Amazon just continuing to grow and move upward. I'm certainly not going to, uh, make a large, uh, short position on them, but it's, I feel like you have to proceed with caution, expecting the same sort of breakaway uh, growth to continue happening well into the the second quarter. Um, so, looking at the the potential for for some other stocks that could you know be big winners this week to add to the list of stocks that are beaten down uh, we have six flags reporting earnings i mean they probably have some of the worst expectations i think any publicly traded company could have so with a bar that low uh, i could see them somehow coming out of that uh, with some positivity i don't know how much of a bk risk we have for six flags um, but they could certainly come out of there uh, being a, a big weekly play uh, and then some of the phar- pharmaceutical companies I think are really interesting. We've got Gilead reporting next week, uh, and we've seen news on Gilead trials both uh, be a huge boost to the entire market, and then Thursday, um, 
basically drop the entire market and sort of stop that slow melt up on um, somewhat uh, sketchy claims that trials uh, were not particularly uh, encouraging for, for remdesivir. So um, since we're looking at news of a potential cure for COVID, that might be bigger than their earnings, but um, they've been on a tear. I, I could see pharmaceuticals there being brought back down to earth with the reality of their business versus the speculation about a, a COVID cure. Um, but I'm looking for any of these essentially penny stocks that have been so beaten down to just capitalize on, on no expectations to be able to impress people that have, have already written them off. I want to pick your brain quickly on, uh, on pharma because I think you know, whether it's Regeneron, uh, Moderna, or Gilead, like you have all these stocks that have rallied a ton. Uh, since February 20th, and it's all on hopes of this vaccine. How would you trade these stocks going forward, and what do you think the long-term outlook is like for them? So long, long-term, I, <laughs> I'm not really thinking out you know more than a week for any of these guys. But in the near term, based on how powerful uh, rumors essentially on Twitter about Gilead trials can be in moving the price. Uh, I'm definitely bullish on a lot of these plays. One of them that I mentioned and saw significant action, uh, an upward move on Friday, was Alexion Pharmaceuticals, uh, a Boston company, um, which they've announced uh, encouraging results from phase three clinical trials of Altamiris for COVID treatments, um, which... You know, if Gilead is any indication of what a potential treatment uh, could do, at least to an individual stock, um, if there is continued positive reporting, I could see Alexion Pharmaceuticals just blowing up and being uh, one of the, the biggest gainers, at least um, at the end of April, early May. But note that their reporting states that trials don't begin until May. So any any positive reports at this point are speculation. But um, based on the amount of speculation going on there, I'm definitely betting that there is uh, some smoke where there's where there's fire um, for, for that particular one. Now, outside of COVID adjacent pharmaceuticals, uh, it does seem like other forms of healthcare have basically been uh, at much lower capacity than they would be otherwise. People aren't going to get more basic or elective procedures right now. Um, so aside from things like, I don't know, antidepressant drugs, which are probably pretty necessary in this environment, I don't think that there are any non-COVID-related or COVID-adjacent medical uh, or pharmaceutical companies that present a very compelling uh, thesis there for um, some breakaway growth, at least in the, the immediate term. But Alexion Pharmaceuticals is definitely one I'm watching closely. Yeah, I think like it's always a question of you know right price, right value, right? I'm, I'm sure there's a huge amount of volatility baked into some of these options premiums. But again, like we're, we've seen, I've never seen such massive moves in, in some of these stocks that are, are hopeful of a uh, uh, COVID vaccine. So we'll see what happens. As always, Sean, it's a pleasure. Uh, I love my options picks from the impervious. So you got a couple more before we, we part ways. Well, I, I at least got one one more galaxy brain play here. I did want to follow up on 
the general thesis from last week uh, being very bearish on the Chinese stocks trading on the New York Stock Exchange. And so far, I uh, haven't seen the moves out of uh, any of them other than Tal and uh, Luck and Coffee. Um, but one I've been watching uh, for a little bit here is HTHT, Huaju Group Limited. Uh, and they are basically considered the Hilton of China. Um, but whereas Hilton basically built up their business over 100 years, uh, HTHT has done this over 10 years. Uh, and so how did they do that? Basically adopting the Silicon Valley uh, venture capitalist debt-based model to grow. So on Friday, uh, we saw their stock drop about 5% on news that they had received a waiver uh, for some of their debt covenants. But this waiver comes with a couple interesting uh, little nuggets here. The first being that they need a min EBITDA of 1 billion RMB or 142 million. Uh, they can't do a cash dividend for the duration of the waiver. Uh, and three, the net asset value needs to be greater than zero. So right now, based on their current position of uh, about 2.57 B RMS in debt to 919 million RMS in assets, and considering that over 70% of their properties are closed down, uh, there is a good chance that they will have a hard time uh, keeping up with the requirements of that debt waiver. And I'll also add, looking into the company, uh, their CEO, Kiji, love that name, uh, is basically the sole and majority owner of the majority of their stocks between himself and several companies he owns and several holding companies with only two foreign investors. So basically, there is no retail investors for these guys whatsoever. Uh, if they continue to be in the position they are in, which I don't think uh, there is a lot of optimism that hotels in China are going to continue booming, especially based on the fact that they added a significant number uh, just to push growth. Um, if they get in a position where Kiji needs to quickly raise funds based on uh, the requirements of those waivers, basically the only option he has to sell off his assets. So all that is to say, uh, this has been one of the highest put call ratios uh, for any stock out there, hovering around 34 to 1. And there's been a significant amount of action on the May 15th, $25 put. I've been in and out of that a few times, uh, but it looks like the moment of reckoning is coming for HTHT soon. So that is one that I will also be watching in the next week. Uh, and massive failure there could hopefully set off a cascade for some other um, Chinese companies traded on, on Wall Street with similar uh, debt and growth-based uh, models or potentially uh, sketchy accounting there. So just got to throw out a little galaxy brain move there just to, to see if it gets anyone thinking and hopefully make some money. No, I like it. My, uh, the galaxy trade, I think, for me is going to be long Alexi on short HTHT. So I, I like that as a pair trade. Um, yeah, I think especially like with the debt covenants you mentioned, I mean, HTHT is not the only company. I mean, there are a ton of American companies that are going to blow through covenants. They're either going to need to be waived or restructured somehow. So there's a, a good question now. Will lenders be able to do that or are they going to try to force them into default? It'll be interesting to watch. As always, my friends, it has been an honor and a pleasure. Yes, thank you for having me on. By the way, got to throw this out here. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at the impervious, uh, on Instagram at the dot impervious. Uh, if I have a little break between actually making trades, unlike most of FinTwit, then I will be happy to let you know about my positions. But uh, I guess that is the the catch twenty two of trying to be on Twitter while also uh, having diamond hands with with a bunch of different moves.
It was a good follow. Highly recommend, ladies and gentlemen. Anyways, until next time, I'll talk to you later. Happy trading. Have a good one. <laughs>